Hello and welcome to the Pocket Rocket podcast. Um, I'm here with the big man himself, Mr. James Hollinshead. Hello. Hi. Um, so this is the first episode in the series of The Man Behind the Muscle. And I asked James to join because he has had a phenomenal career. And especially over the last year, James, you have had a, a rem- a remarkable success throughout the pandemic and you've done things that people will never ever do let alone doing um under those circumstances so we'll have a little bit of a talk about that but I also kind of want to talk about little James young James um what your kind of goals and aspirations were and how you found yourself in this position now going on to the biggest stage in the world um and how you feel about that. Yeah, sounds excellent. I'm interested to dive a little bit deep myself because it's things I forget until I'm asked. So even, I'm, even I'm curious, even I'm curious sometimes. <laughs> Hopefully we'll get something juicy out of today then. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. I think so. Okay, so when you were little James and you were kind of starting school and you were this different person that no one really knows about now, what did you want to be like when the teacher said to you, when you grow up, James, what do you want to be? Was it something you seen the men in your family do or was it just like, I want to be an astronaut? Uh, it, yeah, it was never that simple. It was never like a job role. Like I remember being specifically very young. I mean, like primary school age and already having kind of a, a thought process that was along the lines of I want to be different. Like I, I already acknowledged at a very, very young age that being different was important to me. Um, I wasn't sure how, I didn't know what that meant, but I just meant that I didn't, I always looked around me and I always didn't want to follow suit. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that was me rebelling or me actually thinking that there's better out there if you search, because like obviously things are presented to you on a surface level. Mm. Yeah, do you want to be a fireman? Do you want to be a, you know, do you want to be an astronaut? Do you want to be, and when you're young, obviously those are things that are thrown at you. I always wanted to be the thing that wasn't the choice given. You know, I didn't want to be any of the things that was presented to me because I thought there must be more out there. Mm. Um, and like I said, I didn't know what that was, but I just remember having this very strong feeling about I'm going to grow up and I'm going to be different than most people. Um, and that wasn't necessarily like, OK, I'm going to be a bodybuilder. It was just I'll find my own way. I'll find a way in and I'll prove people wrong and they'll be very, very intrigued by what path I take. Um so when you say maybe you were potentially a little bit rebellious or not, or you didn't want to be a sheep and and you'll prove people wrong, was that something that you found with teachers and the adults around you that they kind of thought you were going to be something that you didn't want to be? Yeah, I think because um, I wasn't the most academic of children. So there's kind of this pre pre-ordained uh, kind of opinion of you that you're going to be someone who isn't uh, able to achieve. Um, and I, it's not that I wasn't, I wasn't, it's the reason I wasn't academic was for choice. Mm. I was always choosing not to be the academic person. Mm-hmm. Everything I ever did was a decision. So it wasn't like I couldn't learn and it wasn't like I was at school, like, oh, I'm finding this hard. My, my attention just wasn't there. So I, I knew to myself, like, this doesn't make me thick. It doesn't make me uh, unintelligent. It just means that whatever they're presenting to me isn't the way that I'm going to go. So I, I just had that feeling from very early on that the, the educational route, of you know learning media studies math science none of that was going to like spark my inner desire and there was for me there was no point pursuing that i i knew that there's no point investing in something that's never going to be what i want to be do you think that you were potentially bored because as you're now someone that works with their hands that maybe classroom learning just wasn't for you yeah i was definitely bored at school i was definitely bored like like you say, the the sitting there and just listening isn't there something that I could really deal with. I was a very physical person, mm-hmm. um, high energy, uh, loved company, but the company that's more um, like an enthusiasm rather than a sit down and focus on a particular subject and just all try and, you know, learn together. I'd rather like PE than anything because we all, mm-hmm. I don't know, we all just like, intertwining ourselves as human beings and integrating in a way that I find much more healthy than just sitting in a classroom. Mm. Uh, physical activity for me was always something that I felt was the best way to actually uh, communicate like, mm. between individuals. Physical activities are like another level of speech. So playing sport with someone or games, 
it was like almost in tune with talking to them, but on a on a whole different language. And I yeah. and I enjoyed that part. I just enjoyed the whole. I could learn a lot about people and see a lot about people through their performance. Like if they were good at sport or if they tried hard or, mm-hmm. and you can see a lot in that. Like I could see whether someone, you know, had either ego or, you know, ad, not, not even necessarily ego, but self-belief. Like when someone tries hard at sport, I could see that there was someone that had a point to prove. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I suppose I just focused on those kind of attributes of humans when I was younger. Uh, and I always had a point to prove from that. I was, I was always the person that was like, I have to prove something. And did you do that through sport? Was that something in school that you kind of were like, do you know what? I'm going to join every single team I can. Or was it kind of fast forward now to present day? I think bodybuilding is is very singular, although we're part of an incredible industry and there are lots of people around us. It is very insular and we do work on our own. So were you into team sports or did that come later on? Uh, I was very much into team sports. I was, you know, on the football team. Um, you know, when it was P, I was first man to put my hand up to say, I want to play, mm-hmm. you know, like I wanted to be the center of attention or one of, I knew there was people that were very good at sport and I always wanted to be one of them. Um, and then, it, you know, it was only like slightly later in life that I, I kind of spiraled off into my own thing where I wanted to be an individual that was powerful. Yeah. Uh, and before I even touched the weight, I was boxing. So the boxing for me was like the first stage of finding myself and having ability for myself rather than sharing it with others. Um, to try and stand out like I, I just wanted to stand out and it, maybe it was egotistical but it's very easy to be egotistical when your path or past sorry rather um is somewhat not guided by a, a male role model um I can go into that obviously in a, in a minute but there was no one showing me the ropes mm. I was finding the ropes myself and from watching movies in the 90s as a kid you know, macho man, strong man, uh, you know, individual can take on the world. That's kind of the image that I saw and wanted to become. So everything for me was about physicality, um, strength, endurance, power, like all the attributes that necessarily as an older man, I realized are important, but they're not the most important. Do you think that you potentially started to fill that void of being that man because you didn't have one, you had to become that one yourself. Absolutely. My, my, from the age of six years old, my, my father wasn't present. And all I ever looked at was my mum and thought that she needs someone there to be a replacement for what should be there. Mm-hmm. My dad should be there. Um, and the only way I could understand to do that was to physically be strong. Because obviously I couldn't, I couldn't really uh, comprehend what financial kind of stability is yeah. or any of those things. Cause you don't realize you're never going to be spoken about money of age mm. or uh, mortgages or, you know, anything like that. So I just knew that there was no role model in the house, no male figure, no one to support. So I just said to myself, I've got to get as physically capable as possible. Cause that's all I understood, you know, cause I thought physical capability was all capability at the time. I thought that would then cover and at least fill somewhat, part of that void that we was talking about earlier Mm. yeah I think that's um I think that's something you see quite commonly but I also don't think there are many men or young men boys that have grown up to be quite the embodiment of that that you have I mean there's I think there's being strong physically and being able to do things to support whether it be your mum or your sisters or whatever it may be um and then there is being an open bodybuilder that kind of took sport in school and went on to going, oh, I want a, a disciplined kind of sport. And that, and that would be boxing um, to then going into, I mean, the toughest form, in my opinion, the toughest form of bodybuilding. Um, I think the most, the most attractive part of the bodybuilding for me was the... Um, the lifestyle being one that was um, there was a word that was in my mind just now, and I don't want to like fluff it up, but the existence is very, I, I was, I was drawn to the existence that you have to live in order to be a good bodybuilder. Like you say, that solo uh, lifestyle with effort and, you know, it's all um, on you. Yeah. But it's a very meditative existence. It's one that's very, you have to be very in tune with yourself on a, on a, not only a physical level, but on like a spiritual level as well as a mm-hmm. mental level. 
because you're going to spend a lot of time alone. Mm. But that existence always appealed to me because when I was a kid, I used to watch a lot of programs that had things like ninjas in or uh, influence from like Japan and like samurais and stuff like that. And although that wasn't what I was going to be, there was just something about the calm and the calculative uh, kind of mindset that I thought they had that I wanted to bring into my life. Like I say, that's almost meditative. So yeah. very wet, like a very like Eastern kind of mindset but in a western world like it's really strange because that's just the things i used to watch as a kid and i was very intrigued by um and bodybuilding for me was very monk-like because the bodybuilders i followed the dorian yates you know people like that were they lived almost a monk kind of existence where they just were isolated by themselves taking in the air themselves breathing in the oxygen and improving mm -hmm. by themselves they didn't really lean on anyone else and i always i always thought that i shouldn't lean on other people I always wanted to be someone that could support myself and stand tall. And um, like that came before the, the bodybuilding just seemed to fit the bill. You know, mm -hmm. it, it didn't, I didn't hunt for bodybuilding, but bodybuilding fit the bill. So it kind of came to me. Um, yeah. I think it's more spiritual. It's more spiritual than anything. With that. I think I can, I can understand fully where you're coming from when you say about being independent and, and not having to lean on anyone and you are fully responsible for every part of that you can only hold yourself accountable and it's nice to have that control do you think that being that strong man has almost encouraged you to be around people that need that in their lives do you do you find that the people that now you have around you are a want of you or a need of you? In all honesty, I don't know. Like, that's something I've never asked. Um, but I am very grateful that I seem to resonate with a lot of people and get on with a lot of people and a lot of people do communicate with me. And I can only take that as a good sign. Mm -hmm. um, and one that if they are somewhat dependent on some of the things I say or the energies that I give off, then that means my existence is very important. And, and, and that's... Not on, like again, not on an egotistical level, it means that I have to respect that my existence is having a positive effect on other people and that I should almost cherish the position I'm in. Um, you know, I often talk about, you know, the mindset of a lot of people, mental state. I'll cover the topic of depression and all those kind of subjects because I know they're very real world problems. Mm. Uh, and a lot of my friends that do reach out to me and talk to me have suffered with such issues. So mm. I'm very grateful. Like, obviously, it's weight on my shoulders at times. And it can Absolutely. wear me down a little bit, but yeah. I feel like I'm built to with I built a certain way to withstand it, and I'm in a position to be able to. I don't know. I can kind of reflect that energy, would not take it in too much, and help others. Um, you know, I'm not the be all and end all. I can't tell someone how to live the best life, but I'm there to listen, and I am there to, you know, spread uh, somewhat a positive energy, and at least show a way of living in an existence that is a happy one. You know? I, I do think that you are one of the probably leaders of the, the fitness industry, especially in bodybuilding and people when they think of someone that is very in touch with themselves mentally and physically. I think you you do feel that. And and if someone was to ask of um, someone that they think they could openly talk to, I mean, on one respect, you're kind of at there at the top of the tower and it seems so far away and and when I said to people that I was going to be chatting with you on this, this podcast, they were like, wow, shit, James. And I was like, yeah. But then in the other respect, I know that if pretty much anyone DM'd you that you'd reply, you do your best to reply. Um, I've, I've um, taken pride in that. And I like, that's, that's something that I don't have as much time as I used to, because obviously in time, the more your social media progresses, there's the more people following you. It's harder to get back to everyone. Absolutely. But, I, but I always did make it a thing to try my best and at least acknowledge everybody, you know. But with that, obviously, you've been through a lot in the last couple of years um, and you've lost some very important people in your lives. Mm. And I think there is only so much that one person, if you kind of think of yourself as a glass, yeah, yeah, there's yeah. only so much you can take before yeah. it starts to tip over. Yeah. And I think at times I've seen obviously you say oh hey guys I'm, I'm just going to take a step back right now because this is a bit much for me I need some time to myself yeah. and and do you think that that is just that maybe you're taking on too much and it just tips you over the edge a little bit and you need that that piece uh, I think it's because I am I'm just an extremely emotional person like even now like I sit here and I 
when even I mentioned like people lost, I instantly go into thoughts of them and, you know, there's tears by my eyes even now and I haven't even said anything, you know, yeah. it's just, that's just the person I am. Um, so it's inevitable that there's going to be moments for me that I not crumble because I, I will never break. I'm, I know I will never break. I know my personality, but I will, I will certainly have moments of like, kind just of like, a doubt. yeah. And, and that come with that comes, you know, you need silence sometimes mm-hmm. you need moments to yourself and you need time to accept all that has been and understand that, you know, things happen and that you only have so much control over the world and, regardless of what happens you have to remain a good positive human being you can be because that's the one thing you have control of um you know so many people have so many reasons to be angry and to be like resentful towards this world but yeah for every reason there is to be that there's probably five to ten reasons to be positive think of everyone that's still here think of everyone that you can still communicate with think of the people you can still help going forward think of how many people still love to hear you know, your voice at times of need, you know, there's, there's all this stuff. Um, so, you know, that little moment of solace there is just a chance and an opportunity sometimes to concentrate back in, dial back into those things we've just mentioned and then come back out when you're ready and just continuously move forward. It's like anything, like you can't always have your foot on the gas um, because you will burn out. And that's yeah. regard, you know, it doesn't matter what the topic is and what the subject matter may be. Um, so even people that are out there outspoken helping people, they're going to need, they're going to need moments to recharge as well. And that's normal as human. And as long as you can accept that and the people around you can accept that, then, then you're cool. You know? And I had one of them, I, I, I had one of them, like I said, about a week ago. Yeah. It all got a bit much for me. I had, a, I, had I honestly nearly had a breakdown and I spoke to Yannicka. I said, I said, I don't feel right. Like I, I sat in this very room and I just said, look, I feel like I should probably talk to someone now, you know, like I've always been the person who's, who's talking to people or letting yeah. them talk to me but I haven't spoken to no one you know and uh I haven't done that yet I admit I haven't done that yet but there will be a time that I need it because because I know that's it's important to do that I know that I need to be able to lay off some and uh hear some human response you know I think it's a massive step as well to even turn around to Yannicka Two, for those that don't know, James is wonderful, better half. She is wonderful. Um, Just to be able to say, like, I'm I'm not okay right now. That's quite a powerful thing to say. And and obviously there is this saying going around, it's okay not to be okay. But that's something that people say. And and it's actually quite different when you you say to someone that you care about that you're meant to be that strong man for, to say, do you know what? I'm... I'm not doing so great right now. Yeah. Yeah. And we have to remember, like to anyone listening, that a lot of this is just, it's being emphasized by the current states of affairs in the world. Mm-hmm. Like the point I got to probably would never occur if we weren't in lockdown. And I'll be honest, because I'm always able to focus on things or be somewhere and be around people that keep me positive. Mm-hmm. Obviously this has now limited a lot of our, ability to be around those people that keep us from feeling that way yeah so you know um we can't don't blame yourselves too much guys like the world is in a bit of a pickle and it's not that's not something that we're in control of so um with that being said the powers that be they need to acknowledge that i feel and uh understand that there's a lot of human beings out there who aren't as structurally sound as people like us that it may be too much and that's that's sad you know mm-hmm. so. yeah and just kind of talking on that kind of pandemic side of things and and that social interaction, I personally believe that people are pack animals, humans are pack animals. And when Absolutely. we're taken out of our pack, we're kind of a little bit lost. Absolutely. Um, and you've obviously had, fortunately, somewhere to train, um, yeah. which has been phenomenal, given that you have such a huge year ahead of you. Yeah. Um but like you mentioned, that that family, that known as the King's Gym family, where we all met, um, it's not the same. It's and, not. It's and not. How, how do you feel about kind of that idea that I think a lot of people have been supporting their mental health with the gym? And what's happened, in my opinion, is we use that and now it's been taken away 
it's like, well, what was propping us up and keeping us just tipping over? That's gone. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, it, you know, there's this, this, this first is my own feelings towards this matter because you've got to understand, okay, I, I do have access to train. Um, uh, I'll explain how it's affecting me first and then I'll go into the second because mm-hmm. to some people on the outside, they might think life is hunky-dory for someone like me who can go to the gym still because they just wish to go to the gym. But I'm a bodybuilder for a living and I go to work to be around the competition mm. and to see people working hard and to compare myself and to always try to elevate higher standards than everyone around me. We're living in like this time right now where there's no one to compare myself to, no one to push me. Like it's not a sob story, but it's very difficult right now to train to my maximum capacity and to give it my all because desire for me comes from challenge and challenge comes from opportunity uh, opponent mm. and there's no opponents in england mm. right now right around me causing me any urgency in order to be better it's like it's easy to be the big fish because you're the only one there yeah uh, and, and that's concerning to me about my own potential because i know how i you know it's like someone who's a uh, 100 meter sprinter if no one else is trying to run 100 meters in 60 se- uh, in um, 10 seconds no one else then there's no urgency and if there's no urgency, you're never going to be your best. So my head's kind of playing games with me about that. Um, but then on the other aspect of things, you know, where think on the next level now, imagine, imagine like the gym for me was a place to go and get rid of my woes or have two hours of the day where I'm out of, away from everything that bothers me, you know, like luckily not a lot of things bother me, but a lot of people, the gym is the only place that they can go for a bit of, you know, uh, them time yeah. away from the kids, away from work, away from all the things that, very strenuous on them um i can't even begin it'd be wrong of me to even pretend to begin to understand because i'm not that person um so you know like i i I, to sit here and be like oh well blah 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 would be wrong of me uh and i know it must be hurting like mad and that's why i am one of the people that encourages that gym should be open as soon as possible and even if they were under you know controlled environment like before just get them open just so that people can protect themselves because some people, fitness is all they have, um, you know, and it's not as easy as saying, well, do something else because other things chemically, chemically don't release the endorphins. Chemically, don't balance them. yeah, they don't balance you. Like you can't, you can't, you can't rely on drugs to, to induce a certain feeling when you can have a natural drug in training. Yeah. You know? And that's, and that's, that's the hard part for people because these endorphins, these good feelings, these, these energies are not being given to them. And, and now you know, if you go a long time without that, then what state are you living in? You're in a state of minus and, and that's going to, that's going to hurt people. Mm. You know? What do you think is kind of, what do you see happening for the next, I don't know, six months to a year, not with the gyms, but just with your career going forwards, given that, like you say, you've not got that same environment. You're not around your peers that, that drive you to be better, be bigger, be stronger. How do you think that will impact you going forward? I think, quite honestly, I'll have to, as soon as travel opens, I'll have to get myself to the States. Uh, probably go and prepare for the majority of my prep for the Olympia out there. Because, mm-hmm. because the fact that things are running very normal in Florida, for example, um, I can be around competition. You know, you've got Kai Green blessing the rest of Redcon over there, training their ass off, getting ready for shows. You know, if anything's going to light a fire up someone's ass like that, yeah, like me, it's going to be being around it, and I, I know that's probably what I need to do. So, to be fair, once once I can travel, I'm just sorting out my passport right now. I will probably be over there, yeah, um, just because this country's not going to give what I need right now. Um, you know? And like you say about the gym and everything else, it's environment that it is. is going to be your environment. It is, and as you know, you know, it's like you only get one shot of your debut at these big shows. You know, absolutely. There's not, it's not something to waste, but anyway, because I don't want to have to qualify again. I've got, I qualified twice last year and I bypassed one because of this whole COVID nonsense. So I'll be damned if I have to do it again. <laughs> I think there's going to be a lot of people waiting to see you on stage. And I think within your peers of the open class, I think those guys are going to want to see you on stage next to them as well. Yeah. Um, and I can speak for a lot of people that when we saw you, on the uh, on the Alicante stage, to see you guys all standing there in that lineup, 
it was absolutely phenomenal the passion and the love and the respect that you all had for each other putting that aside the incredible physiques that you all brought to the stage and the pure emotion from everyone in that room yeah was like nothing I've ever watched it's a good bunch it's a good solid bunch of people in this kind of uh, open field I mean like Regan you know Raf um you know Samson and there's a very high level respect between us and I think that's what makes the the bodybuilding all the more enjoyable because when you're on that stage you're on that stage with people that you can consider friends yeah um which always you makes can them more see fun. that you can see that friendship there yeah it takes a long time to establish it but like because you've all come from uh, a very hard path like turning pro is not it's not a simple task especially for the years that a lot of us turn pro you know like I turned pro when there was one pro card given out a year mm. one overall British champion that's it yeah and a lot of the other guys did as well like um, you know like uh, Regan and people like that had very hard qualifiers to do so there's a massive level of respect there even before we met each other because we know how hard it was to even get that bloody card yeah. um, <laughs> you know what I mean so so it's very hard not to respect each other, really, because you you know the grind, you know yeah. the grind, and you know the existence that it takes and requires. It's that it's that monk like existence that I've explained before, you know, where you have to take away a lot of your joys because the joys will actually actually deter from your potential. You know, you can't do the things that you would like to do. You have to do what you have to do. Yeah, um, and that's what it is. You know, that's top level bodybuilding. That's the difference between national champion and and Olympia qualifier. You know. Mr. O, possibly. Exactly. Like, what is it? What makes Mr. O? It's, it's the fact that he doesn't slip up. It's the fact that he doesn't deviate. It's that he doesn't look elsewhere. It's that his eyes are on the prize around the clock all the time. Mm-hmm. And that every single meal of that year has been part of a, a much larger picture towards the final product, you know? Never a foot goes out of place. No, and if it does, they snap it back in straight away because mm. they're aware. They're mm-hmm. aware. They're highly aware of whether they're doing right or wrong. Uh, in this, in, and when I say right or wrong, I mean in the in the scheme of process, you know, progression. And like what you were saying earlier on, though, it's a job. Bodybuilding yeah. is your job. It's my sole income. I get paid if I don't do my bodybuilding. Redcon don't pay me. Yeah, you know? absolutely. So I, everything I own is is because of them. You know? Kind of that leads me on to quite an interesting point, I think, as well. Like from my side of things, as you know, I don't do this for a living. I. Uh, I have an office job, which I do really enjoy. Um, but a lot of people don't enjoy their jobs. And that that time when they go to the gym, it's like, oh, thank God the day's over. I'm going to go train. I'm looking forward to it. I've been looking forward to this session all week, blah, blah. And with that, with it being your job and your hobby, how does that work? Because I think a lot of people assume outside of our industry, they're like, oh, you're doing your job your hobby your your dream job job. oh my god yeah but Uh, really like when you don't want to go to work when you don't want to do that one day how does that feel that's where it becomes tough because there is days like that like that's the difference now is that i can't afford to have a day off work Mm. like so you're forced to so when my rest days come i'm i'm loving them i'm on a rest day today i'm like lord god i'll stay up as late (laughs) as possible to stretch this day out as much as possible (laughs) because believe it or not i don't really like being in the gym a lot of time like I, I, I'm at a point now I do this because of how far I've come mm-hmm. you know and it's it would be so silly to turn my back on something that's given me so much uh, yes there's obviously passion into improve as a bodybuilder but my mindset's already thinking about after bodybuilding my mindset's mm-hmm. already thinking about health and well-being and longevity mm-hmm. my mind's already thinking about am I going to have kids or not mm-hmm. can I have kids or not who knows um, uh, my mind's already there it's like five steps ahead um but I'm also in the mindset, I'm like, okay, I've qualified for the biggest competition on the planet. I will do my best. There's no point doing any less because at the end of the day, even if I do one of these, let's go down and win some money and, uh, and, and lay down a good foundation for anything that comes after because yeah. you, can make, you can make things happen off the back of this sport. And I, I know there'll be a day where I don't do this anymore and I hope to use this platform that i've built and the following i built in order to move into my next stage of my life so you know that's how i feel and what is that next stage of your life i don't know i don't know daily you know i'm always thinking i just follow what i enjoy i follow what i enjoy right now you know as silly as it sounds i'm a 32 year old man who plays playstation but we live in a world where 
there's opportunities and money to be made through hosting events and all sorts. Absolutely. Like, so, you know, I'm hosting a, I'm hosting a, uh, my first event with one of my friends, Mitch, which is, is nothing. It's going to cost me money, but with the mindset that it's going to create an audience and a, and a community that I can use later, I can work with later. I can host other events that cost a couple of pounds to join in and, you know, you get a certain amount of individuals joining, there's profits to be made. Like, I, I am always thinking ahead about these things, mm. you know. Um, don't get me wrong, like, I plan to obviously uh, find some sort of investments and other things as well along the way, but that's where Yannicka comes in because she's someone that's studied, you know, finance and understands money. Um, so decisions for me are never that hard to make because I have someone to ask and lean on. So, you know, I'm just happy that I'm a, a 32-year-old man who owns his own home, you know, I'm not pissing money up the wall. Uh, and I can see a, a relatively bright future in terms of financials. Like, and that's happy. That's, that's what happiness comes from, is the security. So. Absolutely. I agree. Uh, I don't think that money buys you happiness, but I do no. think it brings you security, which gives happiness. Yeah, the security is something that just allows you then not to be always cons- always mentally present on the thought of loss. Yeah, absolutely. Because when you're not financially secure, you spend too much time in your head thinking about what if what if and that's, that's a hard place to live and i know a lot of people listening will be in that place and i encourage them to try and find a way out i don't know how i'm not sure what the best way is i'm not a financial advisor but just do your best not to be in debt that's all i can say yeah you know? <clears throat> absolutely um and obviously we've touched on yannicka a couple of times um as part of this band behind the muscle series i do want to talk about the women behind the men yeah of course um, there was a, a saying that I heard long, long time ago, and it's always stuck with me, and is the man may be the head of the family, but the woman is the neck, and the neck controls the head. Yeah, and that's true. I think that's true. So um, yeah. how, how firstly, how did you and Yannicka meet, and how has she kind of impacted both positively and negatively? How has she been the butterfly effect with your bodybuilding? So I, I met Yannicka when I was training in my old gym, Pink's Gym in Carshorton, which was where I trained for years. Uh, she was just a, a member that was in there. A lot of the time, I used to see her on and off, and I, I, she didn't really speak. But um, with that not really speaking, I thought it was a, a challenge to try and get her to speak. <laughs> so Because no, no men would approach her. She would look like she was unapproachable. Resting uh, face. Yeah, yeah. And then, <laughs> and then one day I said to, I said to Dino, actually, Dean Hales, I said, I'm going to, uh, I'll pull that. I'm going to pull that bed. I said, watch. I said, I, I ain't the best looking geezer in here. I know I'm not, but I, I know, I know, I know how to get that bird, that particular bird I'm going to get. Her. <laughs> and, uh, a few, few discussions about silly things like peanut butter later, you know, we went on a date and uh, just kind of rolled from there. Things happened not fast, but we, I got to a position where my mum was moving from here to Norwich. Um, so I had to move out and get a flat for myself rent wise. Uh, and she, her flat tenancy was coming to an end so she, so we were like look listen let's let's try all this how about we get a flat together on rent so we're not like tied together and we'll see if it works mm-hmm. if it works then who knows where we'll go from there and fortunately we did that and it worked and then if, i think a year or so later we ended up buying our own house so um she is a headache sometimes but i'm a headache to her sometimes like there's many things that wind me up about her and I get wound up with her every day, but then things also make me laugh after. Like if she didn't make me feel those ways, then I'd probably be concerned. Um, I think relationships can't always be, you know, they can't all be fancy, happy, happy, happy. Like, and I'm not even unhappy when we have an argument because for some reason I find that is the balance to a relationship. I quite oh, enjoy it. It's health. It's so healthy. Exactly. So if, if she was just a yes woman, then there'd be a problem. And the good thing is she's not a yes woman. Like she Probably wouldn't me, like her or love her if she was just a yes woman. Would I, I wouldn't. You know, you'd walk all over someone if they're like yeah. that. She's certainly not that. She's uh, she's definitely a very strong, uh, very independent. What attracted me to Yannick actually is the fact that how independent she is because she had her own, she was making her own money. She had her own flat. Like she didn't have to worry about me. Like she didn't need me to lean on. And I like that now. She doesn't, we still we still don't have to lean on each other at all because we both earn enough money, both have a good existence, both have good jobs that we don't actually need each other. But that's how you know, that's how you know that you want each other because you choose to stick around. Uh, And I think that's very important as well. Yeah. Someone once said to me, um, I don't need you. I want you. And that's so much better. And I think that encapsulates it all. Exactly. Like 
the need is an issue because the need becomes something uh, of an addiction, like a drug. Absolutely. Um, and that can only be something that's going to go down a, a, I don't know, down a dark road like most drugs do. <laughs> yeah. You know, to be fair. And um, obviously, Yannicka has come to some of your shows and some of them she's not been able to come to. Um, will she be joining you I, on the road I, this year? I, I have a funny thing about women and coming to shows. And this is not, it's, I've always been the kind of guy that I consider shows more of my mates to come than my missus. And that's, that's just me because I get nervous when my missus comes. Why do you get nervous? It's just, I don't know, always been the way. I feel like the pressure's too much. I worry about how they're going to feel. So I kind of made it a rule. This is terrible. I made it a rule. That, <laughs> you know, the only way that Yannick can come to a show is if I don't know. Because I'm going to, I've got a team. I've got a squad that comes with me. Mm-hmm. It's all business to me. It's all business. And it's got to be my business people. It's got to be the ones. It's work, isn't it? I mean, it's work yeah. for me. And I don't yeah. want to, I don't, I, I don't do this for fun. So I don't want to drag Yannick to it because it isn't fun for me. Like I don't, I, it's pressure for me. So yeah. I've created this environment where I've got a couple of other guys around me that make me laugh, that are really hilarious, that I just can have a normal day with mm. to make me feel as normal as possible and to forget that I'm competing. That's my rule. Um, obviously, Yannicka's more than welcome to come to shows, but she literally can't tell me she's there until after. <laughs> <laughs> and and is, that my rule. Just, is that literally just in that that kind of theatre or whatever it may be? Or is that on the whole trip? Like No, it's more so just that... It, it, it's difficult because it would normally she's come on trips with me and then she's not come on trips with me at the same time. And I do perform better when I settle in with a couple of my friends and chill for a few days before. Um, I just, the moods just set right. You know, mm-hmm. um, I can't explain why it's my own individual, you know, psyche. It's not, it's not anything wrong with anyone else. It's not like Yannick is a problem. Um, but I've been like that with every partner I've ever been with. I'm, just not that keen. Even my own mother, I didn't like coming to my shows. Oh is, yeah, I I I can yeah, like, get and, that. Yeah, and they, and they're your mum, you know. Like it's like they want to see you compete and do well, but I'm just like nah, you know, because because again, like I said, yeah, and, and for me, it's it's literally like the only time I want someone there is when I win, but you're not guaranteed to win, mm-hmm. you know, because I I I only enjoy a bodybuilding show when I walk away with a title. I was going to say, obviously, you've had some great placings, which a lot of us would be stoked for I mean you've come away with seconds and thirds and and I've been like wow well done and you're like you know it didn't happen on the day Mm. and and that must be quite hard for the people around you when they've been part of that prep for however many weeks it is and then they're elated for you they're so proud of you and you are you're just not there you're not there and it's so it's so disheartening to see someone who has such a passion to walk away and go, I wasn't good enough. Yeah. Do you know, I, like this it's because without like taking that being just disrespectful to anyone, but unless someone's as far as you in this, they don't know the cost of mm. the loss. Mm. Like um, it can only be judged by those that are standing on the same stage. Mm. Like it might like, when I was an amateur and I came third in the British finals, like the big show, I was happy. But once you turn pro, I don't know, things change. There's money involved. Um, you're dedicating your whole life to it. Sponsors are behind you. You want to do them proud. I think because there's more, because you've got more uh, elements to your disposal, you expect more of yourself mm-hmm. because you've got, like I've had, since I've been pro, I've, I've made more money. I've had more time. Mm. So when something doesn't go right, I, I rack my brains. Like, what did I do wrong? Is it just I'm not meant to do well? Like, is it, is it genetic? Because I know no one's training harder. And I know no one's eating more. And I know no one's, like, lifting as well. And I, like, there's all these things. So when I do fail, it's upsetting because there's nothing else I could have done because I generally am one of them person, uh, people, that when they get ready for something, it is all or nothing. Um, so it's always going to do that if it was that. If I... If I was a 50% bodybuilder, 60% bodybuilder, one of us has a laugh along the way and I don't quite win, I'd probably take it a lot different. But it's just because I've literally made my whole life this. Mm. Um, and I have made it that way for such a long time. Mm. You know, So 2008 was my first competition. And we're now sitting in 2021. So oh my God, don't. It's my adult life. My adult life has all been on the stage. Mm. And I forget how many shows I've done. I've done over 20 shows. Like, mm. um, 
traveled the world, been to like, you know, Japan, uh, all around America, you know, you name it, like Europe. And it's been a privilege, but I don't travel those distances not to win. Yeah. You know, you know yeah. like getting on that, you getting on that freaking plane, sitting in a small little, you know, cubicle. Especially at your size. Yeah. yeah I mean, I can't that. speak on that being a, a tiny human, but. <laughs> Perfect for you. Planes <laughs> ain't mad, it's giant. But yeah, so I think that's what it is. I think it's just because it's more to lose, more to gain. Mm. You know? And and with that kind of that reference to you having done this for well over a decade now, when you started, did you think that you would go this far? Did you the first few training sessions, the first time you stepped on stage, did you come away with that? This is me. This is my thing. I did. And, but the reason I think it was easier back then because there wasn't many bodybuilders. Okay. Like, honestly, like no, no, the only categories that existed when I first started was literally bodybuilding. Like that's the time I started. Like, yeah. So there was, unless you wanted to be a bodybuilder, you weren't really training. People didn't really train. Like, you didn't see many people training. Gyms weren't as busy as they are now. Everyone that, like, trained, there was very few people that trained with the purpose to be a bodybuilder. So you knew you was only one of quite a few, like, a small cult. Um, and I always thought, okay, I can I can get there because it's not like the whole world's trying to be a bodybuilder. Um, and it's changed a lot because mm-hmm. now, literally, the whole world has an option to be at least one of the categories. So it's like... It's quite tough now. Like I, you know, I said earlier that it was tough for me to win my pro card, but it's obviously tough now because more people are involved on a, on a wider spectrum. Um, I always thought I could get there because I just thought not many people want to live like Dorian Yates. I was like, who the fuck in their right mind wants to like live exactly like Dorian Yates is with that boring ass life where you just eat chicken every two hours? I was like, no one wants to do that, but I do. Yeah. I do. So I will be that. And that's why I believed I'd be that because I was like, no one's going to follow this path. Because like I said, when I was young, everything was about being different. And I think if I came into bodybuilding at this age, it probably wouldn't have fit the bill for me because it's not as different as it used to be. Mm-hmm. And that's not me That's not me taking anything away from people that bodybuild now. Uh, I'm not anti at all. Um, but it was it was very, very cult when I started training. It um, literally was the 1%. It was literally the one. You get one build, maybe one bodybuilder in each gym. Mm. And, and, and even then, like... They probably didn't know much about bodybuilding. It was, it was a rarity. And uh, that's what allured me, obviously, in the beginning. Um, and when you did kind of start going through that and you got your pro card, a lot of people say, oh, hashtag road to O and, and all this and on the road to the Olympia. And, and they might have done like two shows. And I fully believe, like, if you want to achieve something, you should work towards that 100%. But like you say, it's flooded now. And it's, it's hard in a different kind of way. Um, but when you got your pro card, did you think to yourself, road to O? Did you think that's where I'm going to be? Um, it's so, do you know what's so difficult about this? Because it's easy for me to, I can criticise, but then I also live the way that I criticise. <laughs> because I was very much like, I will get to the Olympia. Like I was, and then I can look at people's posts now and I'm like, fucking hell, calm down. <laughs> so I'm like both. Uh, and that's just me being completely honest. Yeah. And there's probably people looking at me back then in the same eyes that I'm looking at people thinking, what the hell are you on about? Like mm. there was a lot of people that didn't have faith in me. Trust me, loads, loads. Um, and then I suppose I'm like that with some people, like it's just human. Um, and how did you deal with that? That people that didn't have faith in you because obviously earlier on you said oh I'm going to prove you wrong did you take that mentality with you the whole time or did have you had times when you're like they might be right you know uh, no I always believed I always believed because I, I knew I would endure like I'm an endurer so I knew that if I just keep going there will be a gap somewhere mm-hmm. <laughs> like I, I, I will somehow one day land on the right stage at the right time that allows me to pr- proceed um, and that's the way I looked at it I just know that because bodybuilding is endurance. People often give up because of how challenging it is and how boring mm-hmm. it is. And I'm like, I'm willing to be the most boring person for forever. <laughs> so therefore I will get to this pro stage because there might not be any people wanting to do this in 10 years time because they're all bored of it and I'll still be standing. Yeah. So I always counted on that fact. Um, fortunately, I turned pro, you know, at a good age and it wasn't like I had to turn pro and there was no one else there. I, 
I turned pro against some good bodybuilders like Rob Taylor, um, Kuba, uh, Samson, you know, people now that are actually all pros saying that they're all pros now. So that just shows the caliber of yeah. people I was competing against and had to defeat in order to turn pro myself. So absolutely. And I don't know how you feel about it. I think we've kind of got a similar mentality about how everything happens and, and why it happens and make things happen for yourself. But I personally don't believe in regrets. I think everything happens for a reason. But if there was something over your entire life, you could go back and go, I would 100% do that differently. Is there anything? I don't think there is. I'm a very, I'm a very content human being. Like, listen, I could always spill the whole, I wish I spent more time with my mum when she was alive. Mm-hmm. I could, blah, blah, blah. But everything I did while she was alive was the things that she wished for me to do. You know, mm-hmm. when I said to her, look, I can come, I can come. I remember being on the phone to her when she was diagnosed with cancer. And I remember her saying to me, um, I was like, look, mum, fuck my shows. I'm going to come and see you. Yeah. And she's like, no, James, like you go and do that show and you represent me. You do me proud. So that was her wishing. And I wouldn't want to go against that. So yeah. as much as I could say, oh, I should have probably not done that and gone and seen her. I always feel like the most right things I've ever done in my life are the things that my mum found right. And everything I do even now, everything I do, I still run past Yannicka in a sense that I'm like, what would my mum say? You know, that's how I, that's how I make decisions in this life because I still live by her moral standing and I still live by what would she do? Um, so it's very hard for me to have regrets, you know? Yeah, no, I'm fully with you on that. I just always find it interesting to think, would you go back? Would you change anything? Even from, I mean, you hear stories of people getting caught up in the wrong thing and if they'd taken a different road, maybe that wouldn't have happened. Or I think, like you say, you could always spend more time, but time is... It's it, there is no value to it. Like you can never put a price on it. And I think time is something. And that's why I was so kind of stoked that you were willing to do this podcast with me because time is something that you can't buy. You can never, ever get it back. And it's the greatest gift that you can give someone. It is. Uh, but I, don't know, I think with that as well, like a lot of people who do have regret, try, try to look at it like, it's just as simple as the glass, like half full versus empty. Like, don't look at it like an empty space. Look at it like, look at what you have managed to experience. Even mm-hmm. if there's bad things and it'll taught you a lesson. Like, I'm grateful for every single thing I've done because I'm happy today. Mm. Like, if I'm happy today, that's because that's a, that's from an, an amalgam, an accumulation of historical events in my own life that have led to this point. So, if you can honestly sit here today and say you're pretty content with your life or pretty happy, you haven't had too bad a time in regards to what was right for you like you may have had a bad time but would those bad times have led you to this point that is somewhere you like being mm. you know someone could have had a you know a, a abusive past but if today they're with the right person and they love their life then would they even regret their abusive past because it created the person they are today created the person they are and led them to the people they're with yeah and, and that's something that i try to always be grateful for you know there were some mistakes made as a kid you know, I was arrested all the time. I was always getting into fights. I was a little shit, but I like that. I like the fact that it taught me that I don't want to be doing that past the age of 16. Cause if I do it when I'm older than 16, then I will actually go to jail. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's a so, different kind of punishment on exactly. the cards. <laughs> I, I did all my crime. I did all my crime in my junior years, which meant that I got left alone as a man because I learned by the time I was a man, that that's not what you do. You know, same with mm-hmm. alcohol, like drinking. I stopped drinking at like 17 mm. because and then I re- and I already realized by seventeen it wasn't for me. And then I found bodybuilding, you know. So it's and when you kind of change from those circles of getting in trouble and like drinking and going out all the time, and you became this very, as you describe it, monk-like man. H- how did people around you cope with that? Because I think a lot of the people listening to this will have gone through that weird phase with their family and friends, where they're not the same person anymore. And they're not doing the same things. They don't want to do the same things. And people don't understand it. And I think they don't necessarily know how to verbalise that either. Yeah, I, I didn't lose any. I, I don't think I lost any of my friends, but I lost communication with. Mm-hmm. But a lot of those friends who see where I am now are very, very kind and reach out every now and then and say, you're doing exceptionally well. 
Mm-hmm. So I, I was perhaps very fortunate with my upbringing because even the people that I used to hang around with as a kid and we were a bit rough together, like some of the, the, the naughtier people, they've all grown up too, fortunately. And even they say, look how far you've come. And then I look at them and I say the same. Yeah. So, um, you know, I might not see them every day, but I was very fortunate to grow up with people that I liked and I generally still do. So um, not that I, I know many of them now, but we live in a time where the internet connects people a lot easier than, you know, history would allow. And many of them know that I'm a professional bodybuilder and say, look how well you're doing. So mm. um, I'm grateful. I'm grateful. And I never had any troubles really like pulling away. Um, like even detaching myself from friends, I was so focused and driven towards a singular goal that I kind of didn't notice everything going on outside of that because I was so tunnel visioned. Um, and, you know, the friends that I kind of separated from outside of bodybuilding, were then not replaced, but in their place, there was people that were in the bodybuilding, which filled, you know, the numbers. And I say numbers because it's no more than that. Like, it's it's not like they've been deleted. It's just that there was five people around me. And then in bodybuilding, five people take five people's place because I only ever hang around with a certain amount of people. And that just yeah. happens. In, you know, you find as you move through the, the your, your timeline of life, there's always roughly the same amount of people around you, but they just change depending yeah. on the environment. Yeah. Um, and that's where, you know, my bodybuilding environment's even continuously changing. You know, people I'm with now are different people than when I was with five years ago. Um, and it will change again over the next five years. And that's just life. You know? And that inner circle is absolutely essential. It is, especially for the time that they serve, because you're serving them as well. Like they need you in their life and you need them in yours at the time that you have them. And if they're not here in five years time, that's fine. They're probably helping someone else or you're helping someone else. You know, and if they are still here, then it means they're meant to still be here as well. So, and what advice? Just a couple more questions. I'm conscious right. that I've had, uh, I've oh, had a worry. lot of your time, but um, just a couple more things. So, going back to naughty 16 year old James yeah. running around doing things he shouldn't have done, <laughs> if you could give him any advice, what would that be? If you could go back in time and say, what are you doing like uh advice to him be so tough it doesn't mean you have to change something it's just it's just tough because uh, i'm just one of them people that have really enjoyed my life like honestly i enjoyed the past like i enjoyed being the person that went into a fight with police officers (laughs) (laughs) because because it was always the, the humor and the stories that came after and the, the busyness, the fact that my life wasn't a flat line. It was a very trivial, uh, not a turbulent, sorry, wave. But I liked, I liked that turbulence. I liked the feeling of not knowing what tomorrow would bring. Mm-hmm. I, I had a good upbringing. Uh, I think the only thing I probably could have done better maybe was um, maybe just be a little bit polite to my mum. Because, <laughs> you know, as a youngster, you assume that all people make the same amount of money and you think that everyone has the same access to the same things, mm. you know? So when it would come to birthdays and Christmases, you'd push, you push for what you can get because mm. so-and-so's got it. And uh, I didn't understand the financial differences between a single parent bringing up two kids versus so-and-so who's got both parents around. They've both got good jobs, Yeah, you know? So I'm like, get me a bike for Christmas because he's getting a bike. And then, you know, there's a reason he's getting a bike is because both parents are earning over 50k and they yeah. live in a nice house and there's and there's me my mum in a in a you know a terrace house trying to pay a mortgage that's been dumped on her because the dad's disappeared mm. so it's just I, if i had some of the not understanding i had now then maybe i would have been i would have been easier on her on some of my my wants and needs well it won't even needs my wants uh, i never needed it i had everything i needed because i had a good parent um so yeah i i, I liked my childhood and I'm blessed to have the ha- I've had the one I've had. It's very refreshing to hear. So, young James, keep doing what you're doing. Just be less yeah. of an asshole to your mum. <laughs> yeah, just, just, just be a little bit more. Just, just be a little bit more aware of of the strain you can put on a parent when you try to pressurize them to keep up with the Joneses. You yeah, know, like to to have the things that others have, like because it must be heartbreaking for a mother or a parent to know that they can't provide something for their child just because of financial you know financials yeah I think that's kind of ever prominent now in social media um there was something that I saw 
I can't remember who it was, but it was a few weeks ago and they said, like, just because you're seeing everyone living it up and living this lifestyle and designer this and Dubai that and blah, 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 cars galore. Don't don't forget that what you have isn't less like having a roof over your head, being able to put good meals on the table, having good people around you, being able to drive and, and you've you can drive to the shop instead of walking. That's that's an achievement in itself. Exactly. And, and to be honest, most of the people out there aren't doing as well as they make up. <laughs> just, just, just because, I, like, that's not me being rude. It's just like, you know, there's people here that own from, like, you know, own houses. Like, you, you don't just vacate your house if you own it. Mm. Like, so that says a lot, like, not in a rude way. I'm just trying to say, like, don't, this is more to the people that feel like they haven't got enough, not to mm-hmm. the people that are out, like, don't worry, these guys are just like probably most of them are just doing what you're doing here. If you're renting, they're doing the same. So they're not yeah. any better. They're not better. They're just relocated for the moment. Like, so don't put pressure on yourself to feel like you need more. The cars are rented. The cars aren't owned. You know, like those financial things that appear to be great aren't necessarily there. So don't stress. Like you're doing well. The people listening to this podcast, if you're if you're in a house and you've got a, a roof over your head and you're able to watch this. You have enough technology around you to be current and do the things you want to do. You can connect with people. You're not living a bad existence, I promise you. you know, Absolutely. Just because there's, there's no sunshine and fast cars, don't worry, I promise you. You've got a full belly. Exactly. You've got a roof over your head. You've got people uh, that love you. Yeah, and, and that's probably the most important thing is the people part. I feel like the people that are around you is the most important pers- uh, people, most important factor in having a good life. If you are someone that doesn't have people around you, then... Let me just say, I encourage you to get out there and communicate and just like, just the silly little conversations that start over talking, you know, over even to, the cat, to, to like, exactly. That's, <laughs> those things will one day develop into the things that create friendships that will last a lifetime. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. And, and I think I can speak for a lot of people when I say that this industry has brought some incredible people into my life. Um, obviously you being one of them, but th- the people that I have now that I didn't have five years ago, I thought that time meant the best friend, but actually if they've been in my life for 20 years, they must be a friend. No, actually, actually that they, they never asked how I was. And and this person checks in on me every day. You could have known someone for six months and they mean more to you than someone you know for six years. If they're, it's just the way that it's like, that's how love works. Love, love, love is stronger than time. Like you say, and that there's different types of love. There's love for your, obviously your spouse, but there's love for your friends as well. And sometimes you just find a connection with people that's just so strong that um, it, it takes top spot. Absolutely. <laughs> it Absolutely. is what it is. They become family. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and soulmates, like your soulmate doesn't have to be someone you fucking love, like in a, in a, in a uh, romantic way. You can have a soulmate that's your oh, friend. Yeah, 100%. Couldn't, couldn't agree with you more yeah. um and one last question that's all right um so obviously you are known as the shed or mr hollingshead or big james but what do you want to be remembered for um i just want to be remembered for someone that <sighs> just try to do good like in in all situations presented to him, tried to do the best thing for people around him and himself. Um, I don't want to be, I don't want to be someone that's, I don't know. I I I I just want to be the person that cared for people more than I care for myself. Like I care for myself a lot, but I am happy when I'm able to care for others. So I just hope that that somehow is is something that people will remember about me. The guy that would always let people in. And, uh, you know, acknowledge them, share his time and uh, be friends with. I just want to be, I, I like being friends with everyone. That's it. Simple as that. Well, I can definitely speak as a friend of yours and say that uh, I definitely yeah. think of you as that person um, whenever so I think of you. So, Well, my job's, my job's done well then. That's, that's me <laughs> doing, because that's all, I, that's literally the only thing I care about in life. That's just honestly. That's a good thing to care about. You know? Well, thank you so much. I've absolutely loved speaking with you. And I hope that everyone listening to this podcast has enjoyed getting to know the man behind the muscle, the shed himself. 
And uh, if you have any questions, please uh, kind of add a little comment, drop us a question over into our DMs, whatever it may be. Um, and I'm sure that James, even though he's a very, very busy man, as always, he will endeavour to reply back to you. Absolutely. And thank you so much for having me on. Really, uh, really cool. And uh, I wish you all the success with the future of this. Thank you very much. Um, yeah. Well, thank you. See you later, everyone. Bye bye, everyone.